to see you. It's a blessing to be here at uh, Bergen Bible Baptist. I'm uh, sorry the folks couldn't be here. I was looking forward to seeing a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to keep uh, Pastor and his wife prayed up. And uh, it's a blessing to be here in New Jersey. And I haven't been up here in a while, probably since 2018, when I was blessed to be in this great church once before. But Crossfire, Jamie and I, we love the Filipino people. We, I remember a story going back probably 20 years ago. Pastor Adora was in Western North Carolina, and I saw he's online, or he liked the uh, post I just put up about being here. And it's good to see you, Pastor, there on the camera, and probably Pastor Romel, and many pastors there in the Philippines. I'm not sure what time it is, but I saw you had liked the post, so you must have been looking at your phone during your service, or maybe you're at home. I'm not sure the time difference. But uh, Pastor Adora was in Western North Carolina, and we have a mutual friend that was uh, supporting his ministry there, and he had heard about Crossfire, and he brought him out to where we were having a basketball camp at Asheville Christian Academy outside of Asheville, and we had about 120 kids in the gym, and I noticed there was a, a distinguished Filipino man there. I think he had a sweatsuit on maybe that day. He's a basketball player, too. I know the Filipinos love basketball, so... Uh, after camp, he came up and he said, Brother Randy, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he said, wow, we're starting a basketball ministry in our church to use as outreach for evangelism and discipleship. And would you pray crossfire? He asked Jamie and I, would you pray about coming to the Philippines one day? And Pastor Adore, I just want to thank you for, for doing that. I wouldn't be here today at this wonderful church if it wasn't for that. And God began to open doors. I think we've been 15 or 20 times to the Philippines and he always does a great job of setting up the trips. We get off the plane. There's a game here, a game there, schools here, schools there, churches to preach in. We don't go for a vacation. We go to work for the Lord. And uh, glory to God, thousands of folks have made professions of faith. I think even a couple churches may have started from the outreach. We take no credit for that. You folks have been praying there for many years. And the Apostle Paul said to use all means necessary so if it's a silly basketball, if it's a hammer, if it's a drill, if it's a shovel, if it's a football, soccer ball, use all means necessary to win some to share the greatest message, and that's the hope of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you, my Filipino friends. We're looking forward to coming back there soon, as soon as, uh, Lord willing, as soon as everything gets straightened out. So begin to prepare the places we can play and minister. I know all my friends back in North Carolina that have been with us on trips, the athletes that have been with us would, would bring a greeting to you and your family and all you pastors and families. So thank you because of your relationship. I meet these awesome men of, men of God and women of God that I met in 2018. Possibility of being back here next uh, Sunday if they're able to open up, if, if God's will, we're praying. And uh, so thank you again. I'm in New York City, New Jersey area. For about 10 days, flew in yesterday, was blessed to go to see the New York Yankees play and share the gospel there. Not over the microphone, I would love to have the microphone, about 80,000, 70,000 people there. But I had my scripture shirt on and just walked around and engaged some folks with the gospel. Got to see a good baseball game, although the Yankees lost 4-3, to three, but it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, Darren Holmes who is the pitching coach for the Baltimore Orioles, is a strong believer from back in Asheville, North Carolina. He played baseball at a school called Robertson High School, 
Darren went on to pitch in the major leagues for 12 years. Now he's a pitching coach for the Baltimore Orioles, and uh, he loves the Lord, and he witnesses wherever he goes. So he left me tickets in about three hours after I found out they were playing. When I was riding on the plane, I was online. Bam, I sent a message to him. He left me tickets, so got to pass out some tracks there outside of Yankee Stadium. And, and uh, the, I'm, I'm with a group of men joining them, eight men from Memphis, Tennessee, and they are soul winners. They have a guy named Steve Copeland who heads up these trips, and they've been to London, England. They've been to New Orleans. They've been all over the country, California's over the years, and they were recently in Asheville, North Carolina, my hometown, which, by the way, Brother Glad came through there this summer, Pastor Adore's son. He was coming from Bible College and working on his support. He came out to Mars Hill University to our overnight camp and spent a day with us. I just thought of that when I was thinking about Asheville. But these men came to Asheville about eight months ago and passed out 30,000 gospel tracts in a city of about 100,000 where I live. And Asheville has kind of become a modern-day Corinth. You can go downtown Asheville and see about anything that you might see downtown New York City. And we're not proud of that, but uh, we need to share the gospel. So he, uh, those men came, distributed tracts, and so when they were coming to New York, they said, Randy, would you like to join us? I said, well, I have some opportunities there. I'll check them out, call pastor, and, and emailed. He said, sure, come preach for us. So I'm going to be in some schools this week around New York and New Jersey. Going to be at the Bergen County Christian School which I was in before through the contacts here of this church, speaking on, uh, I think it is Wednesday. And then uh, Friday I'll be in Manhattan Christian. Friday I'll also be in Freeport Christian Academy down in New York. And then I'm going to be at Eastern Christian, which is a New Jersey school, also this week. So pray for me as I go and as the men pass out. They brought 100,000 gospel tracts from Memphis, Tennessee. They'll be at the 9-11 Memorial I think they're going to be at the Yankees-Mets game next weekend. They're, this morning, they're distributing tracks down near Times Square. So there's about eight men that are doing the work of the Lord through track distribution and one-on-one conversation. So that's kind of what brought me up this way. And I appreciate Steve Copeland, who funds his ministry to bring all those men to share the good news. But I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning. Pastor made a mistake a minute ago. He said, Randy, go as long as you want. Now, I know y'all have things to do here in, uh, in America and in New Jersey and in the Philippines. I won't go that long, but it's dangerous to tell an evangelist to pastor that because he might take you up on it. I already get accused of going too long as it is, so when you have that freedom, it's uh, a blessing. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 1, 1 through 3. I want to share with you kind of a little bit of an Olympic theme to start with. Uh, as we tie it into scripture. But let's pray. Father God, thank you for this awesome day to be in Bergen Bible Baptist Church with these awesome men that are here and the congregation that is watching at home via Zoom. We do lift up Pastor Emeritus and his wife that you would touch their bodies, Lord, and those who have been affected by COVID in this church, that you would heal them, bring the congregation back together in person quickly. We would pray, Lord. And Lord, as this message challenge goes out from your word, it's your word, we're just the messengers, Lord. So get me, get us out of the way that we wouldn't be uplifted or exalted. But Lord, as we share out of Psalms 1, 1 through 3, how to live a gold medal, godly Christian life. Lord, we all desire that, Lord. We come to know you, and that's not it. 
That's our salvation. But now we're going through the sanctification process, and we need to grow. We need to come more like you every day. And I'm still in that process, Lord. So as we share from your word, speak to our hearts. Lord, if anyone is watching in any home or any place that may not know you, God, we pray you bring them to salvation today, that you would turn the lights on of the Holy Spirit, pull down the strongholds, pull down the mental blocks, and give them grace to receive and to believe. Lord, we pray for those many saints that are watching, that you take these words and encourage them. We pray for the sick. We pray for all of us, Lord, as Pastor mentioned earlier, that we would all, and as the two awesome men sang about sharing the gospel, about planting seeds, about doing your work that you called us to do. Challenge us, Lord, in all those three areas. Thank you for the system that we can be on Zoom, that we can go out on the airways. And, Lord, the airways are used for so many bad things today. Thank you that we can use them for the gospel. And thank you that everything's working properly here. And we're going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. You know, the Olympics just happened in uh, Japan. Tokyo, Japan, and I was supposed to be there, but because of COVID, we couldn't go. I've been blessed to go to five Olympics, Sydney, Australia, Athens, Greece, London, England, Rio, Brazil, Atlanta, Georgia. I miss China, uh, and I miss Tokyo, although I was in Tokyo about right before COVID and was able to minister there and was preparing to go back with a ministry out of Dallas, Texas, Fort Worth area, Dr. Sam Means, Lay Witnesses for Christ. Dr. Means has been at nine Olympic Games. And he takes athletes, he takes evangelists, lay folks that just want to share their faith and uh, goes and works with the local churches there, have meetings called More Than Gold, where we pass out gospel tracts during the day. By the way, this is a 9-11 track, which Steve Copeland had made, and they're going to be passed out around the memorial next weekend. Thousands of them that have uh, what happened there, that tragic thing, and on the inside, it's got the hope of what can happen in your life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But at the Olympics, we pass out more than gold tracks because the gold medal is awesome. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And you might not be aware of this, but there are over uh, 10,000 athletes that come from all over the world to compete for a gold medal. Now, we know that the gold medal is a corruptible crown. It's talked about in the Bible. The, Paul talked about sports in the Bible. And back way back, if you researched it, there are Olympic wreaths that were awarded to athletes back thousands of hundreds of years ago when they had so, some kind of Olympic Games back then. And they're competing for a corruptible crown. But as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are competing for an incorruptible crown where moths can't destroy, where thieves can't steal, where rust can't take away, we're competing for that incorruptible crown. And I want us to look at Psalms 1, 1 through 3. And I think that's a recipe. And we can title the message, if you're a note taker, Competing for an Incorruptible Crown. How to win a godly gold medal Christian life. Now we know that we get into heaven only by the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's out of Ephesians. And we know the gospel, the Roman road. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. And in John 3, there was a rich man named Nicodemus. He was a religious man. He probably would have been sitting on the front row of the synagogue. And he came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we know that Jesus said to him, You must be born again. Saints, if we ask that question today at Walmart or the grocery store here in New Jersey or North Carolina or in the Philippines, if we ask that question to 100 folks, probably 70 of them would not have a Bible answer on why they could get into heaven. If you don't believe me, start sharing your faith. Start asking that question. That question, actually, I, I got a question similar to that from a Presbyterian brother years ago, D. James Kennedy. Some of you heard him on the radio. He's in heaven now, but he started Evangelism Explosion. And the diagnostic question that he used to share the faith was, hey, we pray this doesn't happen, but if you die today and you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say to him? Now, if you ask that to folks in a loving way, not that you're going to kill them. They don't think you're going to shoot them right there. I try to preface it, but we pray this doesn't happen because the day we're living in, I don't want to think I'm getting ready to take them out. But you ask them that question, then you say, hey, what would your answer be? I asked a guy that last night coming out of Yankee Stadium. And the typical answer you get, you men know your soul winners, is number one, people will say, well, I'm a good person. If my good outweighs my bad, then that will get me into heaven. We know the scripture says there is none good, not even one. The best five minutes we could live would not earn us a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God our Father. So, er, wrong answer. Being good doesn't get us there. The second most popular answer that folks give, even in religious areas like where I live in the Bible Belt, is I'm Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Charismatic, Church of God, Episcopalian, Lutheran. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I'm not ashamed to be a Baptist, but I don't tell folks that I'm a Baptist, I tell them I'm a born-again, Bible-believing Christian that happens to go to a Baptist church because I believe that's where the Word is being preached in my area. So I'm not ashamed of that part, but I always tell them, hey, take them back to how to be born again because the answer that Jesus gave Nicodemus was not become a Baptist, become a Catholic, become a Presbyterian, become a Lutheran. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus being educated and intelligent responded to Jesus, and Scripture tells us something like, you mean i got to go back in my mother's womb as an older man? And we know the Scripture says Jesus said, born of the water and born of the Spirit. So if you're watching today and you've never made that decision, hopefully you understand that God loves you. And uh, I'm going to show you a gift that God has given me just before I get into the message. We've used this in the Philippines I'll probably use it in New York City this week. And uh, God can use the simple things. When I was a little boy, I was really into basketball. And I know the Filipinos, as I mentioned earlier, y'all are into basketball. You love basketball. You guys will play basketball when I'm tired and don't want to play. But uh, as a little boy, I used to do different ball handling drills in the kitchen floor. And I would uh, work on different drills. A guy named Pistol Pete Maravich, you old-timers and and uh, connoisseurs of the game remember Pistol Pete he was a great player at LSU back in the 70s he averaged over 30 points a game they didn't have a three-point field goal three-point line back then and then he went on to play in the NBA for numerous teams the greatest thing about Pistol Pete though was four years before he passed away he was playing basketball with Dr. James Dobson in Pomona California Dr. Dobson 
was a president of Focus on the Family, which was a Christ-centered ministry to help people, godly people, learn how to raise their families. They, call, they carried a lot of different topics on the radio program. But Pistol Pete was there playing basketball with James Dobson that day, and they took a water break. Pete was a former NBA player, so he was playing with just regular guys, and you know, uh, but he hadn't played in years, supposedly. And Dr. Dobson asked him, he said, Pete, how do you feel? And Pete Maribus said, I feel great, Dr. Dobson. I need to start playing this game recreationally again. And Dr. Dobson turned to walk to the water fountain, and Pete hit the floor, friends. And Dr. Dobson looked, and he thought he was joking, but he was serious. And Pete Maravich died right there at that spot on the court. And I was blessed to be able to go there years later, and Dr. Dobson walked me right over to that spot when I was playing basketball with Dr. Dobson. And here's the greatest thing of that, that testimony. Pistol Pete had come to know Jesus uh, about several years before that. And he was going to be on Focus on the Family to give his testimony that was going out on worldwide radio. And because of that, Dr. Dobson felt like if he would have died somewhere else playing basketball in a secular gym, they would have probably said, oh, Pete was religious. But Pete wasn't religious. Pete had a relationship with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that went out on the airwaves on Focus on the Family, and it's still going out on their programs of Pistol Pete's testimony. Well, Pistol Pete was my hero when I was a little boy, before he got saved because of his basketball skills. So I would work on those drills every night. I couldn't fly like Mike Jordan. I couldn't shoot like Larry Bird. But I was told if I could handle this ball, there'd be a place for me on the team. And I'm not going to do any drills this morning, but I'm going to show you what I would do in between these drills. And God gave me this idea way back then, and I never dreamed that God would use it now as we've been blessed to go to 68 countries 47 states. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Apostle Paul said to use all means necessary. I'm not turning the church this morning into a gym. I'm just showing you a tool that God has allowed me to be able to use. And uh, so mom and dad would come home and I'd be spinning the ball like so on my finger. And they didn't think that was too strange. I was putting on different fingers and moving it around. And the next day they came in, I had a spoon out. We go to the Philippines, we go to New Jersey, we go to New York City. Wherever we tell folks jokingly, this is how boys from Asheville, North Carolina, eat ice cream. Not really, but a few of us. So you get it going real good, and then you eat your ice cream like so. But I like to tie it in now to what the scripture says taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we taste the Lord? We repent of our sin. We give our life to Jesus and find out how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. The next day, Mom and Dad came home. I had a toothbrush out. And just like this silly toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jamie and I crossfire. We've been blessed to go to Israel 23 times. And I tell young people and adults, you can believe the inerrant word of God, which your church preaches. What does that mean, Randy? That means out of 2 Timothy 3.16, for all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be properly built up that he can share his faith. And I'm paraphrasing there, but we believe that the Scripture is the inerrant Word of God. So there's a place in Israel called Golgotha, where a holy God, because of a sinful world, went to the cross. Jesus bridged the gap. He paid the penalty. He went to the grave. He didn't stay in the grave like Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, 
All the religious leaders you're going to learn about. But on the third day, you all know he came out of the grave because he was God. And just like this silly toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jesus Christ wants to clean your heart up Amen. and give you peace and hope and purpose for living. And then as the men sang so great earlier, what do we want to do then? We want to tell others about Jesus. So I get my old school. Pastor and I know what this is. Some of you youngsters may not know. This is a flip phone. Now I can do it on an iPhone, but they're too expensive to mess up. So you get your flip phone out. You call your friends up. And what's the last play that the, our Lord and Savior gave us? If we want to make it athletic, our great head coach. What did he tell us? He said to go into all the world and share the gospel. Now as I walk down the walls of this church here I see missionaries on the wall I see the great commission sign right there you all have a vision of what we're supposed to be doing so I want to encourage you if you're not doing it out there you may need to call a friend up you may need to share with them your testimony the gospel so I use that silly tool in parks in the streets in basketball courts to get folks attention to share the gospel with them Last time I was in the Philippines, I got to do that for Manny Pacquiao at his office. Went there, got to see him, spun the ball for him, got to encourage him. I understand he's a believer. I know he lost a fight recently. I was disappointed to see that. But uh, he's winning the fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. And we need to pray for that brother in the Philippines and in, in the governments there. More senators and congressmen and presidents like him. We need that in America too. So let's get back to Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How are we going to live that gold medal, godly Christian life? Let's read the scripture in Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree... Planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's go back to the Olympics here. 10,000 athletes coming from all over the world. They're competing for about 125 gold medals. Wow, it's right. And they're buffing their bodies, not buffeting their bodies like some of us do. But they're buffing their bodies, Paul said in the word, that we need to buffet our bodies to hone it in to what God wants for us. But they're doing this athletically. They're eating a certain diet. They probably told their friends, no, I can't go to the beach with you today. No, I can't go watch a certain movie or program with you today because I've got to get in shape. I'm going to the Olympics. They've trained their bodies all their lives. And they're going to compete for a corruptible crown. Had a chance to meet Carl Lewis one time at the Olympics. Now, if you know anything about the Olympics, Carl was a nine-time gold medal winner at the 1996, maybe, something, way back there at the Olympics in uh, Los Angeles. It may be even further back than that. It may have been 1984. My numbers are, are off there. But he won nine gold medals. And as a gold medalist, man, that's an accomplishment. And uh, so I asked him, I said, Carl, where are your gold medals at now? This is what he said. He said, they're in a lockbox in Los Angeles 
collecting dust. Now, he wasn't making light of the fact that he worked hard. I'm sure it brought him a lot of success in the world to be able to speak to folks and so forth. But gold medals are put in lockboxes. Shoes that people played in, famous athletes, are put in trophy cases. Home run balls are put in trophy cases. They're going to perish. They're going to fade away. Those are corruptible crowns. Now, let's think about that. 10,000 athletes going to the Olympics, about 9,000 and um, 980 will uh, not get a gold medal. And they're going to go home disappointed. You probably don't hear these stories, but I've heard these stories of folks, athletes, that go back to their home country, and the people are upset with them because they didn't get the gold medal. And some of these athletes have unfortunately, Pastor, gone on to commit suicide. They've fallen into depression. They've fallen into anxiety because they didn't have Jesus Christ, our more than gold, as the head of their life. Their goal was to get that corruptible crown. How many of us do that in America? And I'm speaking to myself. We want to get that certain car. We want to get that certain house. We want to get that certain bank account. Nothing wrong with those things. We need to take care of our family. God wants us to be able to get around. But we put so much emphasis on those corruptible crowns that we forget about the incorruptible crowns. So, again, salvation is by grace alone, by the blood of Jesus. That silly illustration that I gave you, the, the toothbrush cleaning my teeth, if you don't know Christ, Jesus wants to clean your heart up. The Bible says repent and believe on Jesus and you will be saved. Well, once we make that decision... What do we do in our Christian life? Well, we want to become more like Christ. The Bible tells us, For I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith on the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, how are we going to walk that out? I believe the Lord gives us some direct points that we can take out of these three scriptures right here, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, that will tell us how to live a gold medal Godly Christian life, which is going to be incorruptible. Before we do that, though, let's flip over to, to 1 Corinthians 1. And I wanted to read to you from God's Word about uh, what Paul says here. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. It says, For see your calling, brethren, that not many mighty wise men after the flesh, not many not many." Excuse me, not many men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. We flip over to the top of the page, the next verse. Yeah, new Bible here. It's not turning as well as I would like it. Verse uh, 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things were not, not, are not to bring to things which, to bring to naught things that are. Last verse, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God wants to use the base things. God wants to use the simple things to confound the wise. And he also talks about, Paul over in Corinthians also talks about fighting that good fight. Finding that good fight of faith to obtain that incorruptible crown. Well, the incorruptible crown, obviously, ultimately, is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. But lots of times, pastor and, and folks that are watching, we don't hear a lot of preaching about the beam of judgment. 
Well, the great white throne judgment is how we're going to get into heaven. By the blood of Jesus, by grace, by repentance, faith in Jesus Christ. But there's going to be a beam of judgment. And the beam of judgment is what the, the men sang about earlier, and Pastor even prayed about, is our rewards. We get to heaven, we're going to be given rewards based on what we've done here with our time, talents, and our abilities. Now, it does say we can blow our rewards here, and I pray I haven't blown mine here uh, because we can talk about them. We want to give God the glory. We want to give Him the honor. We want to give Him the praise. We have to check our motives daily, believers. Why are we doing this? God give us a love for God, not to please people, not to be seen of people, which I'm sure we've all probably done before, but God keep our focus on you and doing this because we love you and we want to honor you. Well, the beam of judgment, earthly, if you could relate to something, a team wins an NBA championship. They win an NFL championship. They win a major league championship. You got the trophy presentation. They get the award. What usually happens in the athletes, even the Olympic athletes, and thank God there are some godly Christian athletes out there, but many times we want to beat our own chest. We want to say, look at me. Look what I did. We want to, God forbid, they get the cigars out, they get the champagne out, they shake it, they blow it up everywhere. Look at me. Look what I did. If you're a football fan, they may even throw the Super Bowl trophy once in a while. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that was done this year after Tampa Bay won the uh, Super Bowl. One of the athletes threw it across to another boat when they were having a parade in the harbor there. I'm not going to call his name, but he was one of the better athletes, so if he would have lost that, he probably would have somehow been forgiven, but you don't throw the Super Bowl championship trophy. At least the NBA, NBA and NFL and Major League owners don't want you to do that, but here's the point. When we get our rewards from God, pastors and beloved brethren, I believe that we will, with the right motives, want to bend the knee and lay those rewards back at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for what you did through us as we submitted ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want you to think about this morning. How are we going to obtain that gold medal, godly Christian life? Number one, salvation repentance, faith in Jesus Christ. And then as we're walking this walk out every day in the midst of the world that we live in, not to be like the world, to be in the world. Romans 12, 1, 2, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So number one, back to Psalms 1, 1 through 3. If you're taking notes, I believe the first thing the Lord would want us to see in Psalm 1, 1 through 3 is that he would want us to seek godly counsel. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean, businessman? What does that mean, father? What does that mean, single? That means we need to seek godly counsel, obviously from the word of God, but we need to seek a godly pastor, a godly businessman, someone that's living their life by the principles of God's word that could give us advice in situations that are going to come up. In my life, 35 years ago, I went through a major depression right when I came back to the Lord anxiety, contemplating suicide. As a Christian, I knew that wasn't the answer, but the Bible says we're in a spiritual warfare. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, and Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's a liar, and he's a father of lies. And friends, the enemy will throw those fiery darts at you. He may be throwing them at you right now of 
why you're sick or why something has happened. Hey, Job was the most righteous man in all the land. And God allowed him to be tried and tested to make him stronger. And it is an example for us now of how Job passed the test. So I know you can be discouraged. But seek godly counsel. When we're down, when we need godly advice, go to a godly pastor, a godly mom, a godly dad, a godly grandparent. Pastors, you need counseling too. I know Pastor Adore is a pastor to pastors in the Philippines at times. And, and men need to come to other men of God and get counsel when we're experiencing different emotions and different things from the Word of God. So in order to live that gold medal, godly Christian life, number one, I believe the Lord wants us out of Psalms 1, 1 through 3, to seek Godly counsel, number one. Number two thing I think he would do there in Psalms 1, not only seek godly counsel, but uh, the next part of the verse, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. What does that mean? That means that we need to choose godly friends. What's a godly friend? A godly friend is someone that knows Jesus like you. There's two choices out there today, friends. Either we're godly because of the blood of Jesus, God looks at us and sees Jesus' righteousness. Or we're ungodly because we've never made that choice. The Bible says either you're a child of God or a child of your father, the devil. And we don't look at it like that. Person, Lots of people, some people do, will say, yeah, I'm, I'm worshiping Satan. I'm a child of the devil. Most people that don't know the Lord aren't going to say, I'm a child of the devil. They're going to say, well, yeah, I believe in God. Or, yeah, I'm God's son. But the scripture is talking about by the blood of Jesus, that makes us God's son. And if you don't know Jesus, then you're a child of your father, the devil. So we want to seek godly counsel and we want to build godly friendships. Others that know the, others that know the Lord. Now I'm not talking to you about you can't have any unsaved friends. But the friends that you spend intimate time with. The friends that you're hanging out with, the friends that you're texting or on the phone with need to be those primarily that are walking with the Lord. Those that you're spending that intimate quality time with because if they're not, there's going to be a tendency if you're spending too much time and gleaning on the things they're saying, they're going to pull you to where they are. That also happened to me in high school, young people, if you're watching. I knew Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I transferred over to public high schools because of basketball. And I got there and I realized there wasn't too many people walking down the hall talking about Jesus. There wasn't too many people with scriptures on their t-shirts. There wasn't too many Bible studies going on. And bad company, they were good old guys and good old girls, but bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, those you hang out with are going to be those that influence you. If you hang out with those that are walking with the Lord in the scriptures, they're going to influence you. If you hang out with those that aren't walking with the Lord, they're going to influence you. So you want to build godly friendships. Number one, seek godly counsel. Number two, build godly friendships. Those of you that are single like me, I'm still praying. Pastor Adore and Pastor Romel supposed to found me a Filipino godly wife. Just kidding, just playing. But uh, I haven't been married. I've been like the Apostle Paul. I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been bitten by a snake, thank the Lord. But I have been traveling and sharing the gospel. And, uh, but I'm not just going to choose any lady. I could have been married many times, but I want a lady that loves the Lord. I want a lady that, that is a prayer warrior. I want a lady that's a soul winner. And also, God's working on me. I'm sure, Pastor, he's getting me ready for whenever that is. If it happens, if it doesn't, then in heaven there's going to be no marriage anyway, right? But the problem we have in America right now, problem, maybe not problem, depending on how folks look at it, half the people are single, Pastor. So we're dealing with half of our population being single, 
Some because of divorce. God heals. God forgives. We're not advocating divorce. God hates divorce. But sometimes it happens. And if it's happened to you out there, God loves you. He wants to put your life back together. He may want to restore you into that marriage. But there's a lot of singles out there today. So when you're looking for a spouse, when you're looking for someone to date, to spend time with, you need to pick those young people that are walking with the Lord. Because a lot of places out there today that singles are going and looking for companions are not the right places. I don't believe there may be a few exceptions to the rule, but 99.99% of the time, you're not going to find your godly spouse at a place where ungodly things are going on. Now, ball game maybe, yes, but a bar, a party that's not of God, I don't think you're going to find your spouse there. So we don't need to be looking in those places. We need to be looking in places that God would have us go. And hey, I heard an illustration. Get on fire for Jesus. And get on fire for Jesus, then look beside of you and see who's running beside of you. So a little advice to you singles or those that have been divorced and you have biblical uh, grounds for marriage and you're praying about a, a spouse in the future, singles, seek those that are walking with Jesus. Young people, teenagers, I don't care if he is the most handsome guy. I don't care how good he can play basketball. I don't care what kind of a car he has. If he's not walking with Jesus, you need to be his friend. You need to share the gospel with him. But that's not someone that you need to be in a dating relationship with. And that's based on the word of God. What does light and darkness have in common? Do not be unequally yoked. With unbelievers. Now again, don't go away from here and say, Brother Randy said don't have any Christian, unchristian friends. I didn't say that. I've got a lot of unsaved friends that I'm trying to share Christ with. But if you're salty for the Lord, they're probably not going to want you around when they're getting involved in the things that, that aren't of God. So number one, seek godly counsel. Number two, build godly friendships with those that are walking with the Lord. Number three, the scripture tells us in the last part of... Uh, Verse 1 here, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What is this saying? I believe this is saying we need to stand with those that stand for truth. We need to stand for those that stand for the word of God and the things of God. Congregation, friends, family, you all know this, but the artilleries of hell are pointed at your pastor, his wife, your leadership, and their spouses because if the enemy can get them to fall, it's going to affect your church, it's going to affect this nation, it's going to affect this world. So pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders in your church. Undergird them with prayer. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You say, well, Brother Randy, I'm not really getting attacked by the enemy. Well, I want to challenge you. If you're on fire for Jesus, if you're seeking to win people to Christ, if you're seeking to live a godly Christian life, you probably are being attacked by the enemy. But that's a good thing because Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ephesians uh, 6, 10 through 18, put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, to stand against those fiery darts of the enemy. He didn't say that trials and tribulations weren't going to come. He didn't say that we weren't going to get sick. He didn't say that we wouldn't struggle from time to time. But he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said that his grace is sufficient. You say, but Randy, I prayed for my father. I prayed for my mother. I prayed for my loved one during COVID. 
and God took them all home. Friends, listen to me. If they knew Jesus, they wouldn't come back now if we begged them to. If they had a heart for what's going on in this earth, they may say, it's real. It's real. Get out there and share the gospel. Get off your blessed assurance and go share the gospel because it is real. But they wouldn't come back if we begged them. I lost my dad to heaven 11 years ago. He was suffering. Went through some hard times. But pastor, he was faithful. He had a stroke. He was paralyzed on the right side. They had to put a feeding tube in. But glory to God, he led three people to Christ that were cleaning his dirty diapers. Young people, listen to me. I stay with my 90-year-old mom now when I'm not on the road. She may be watching now. She looks 70. Pastor, I hope I got those jeans. <laughs> Filipinos usually look younger than what they are. But uh, I pray I have those jeans. But my dad died at 80. My mom didn't want to be alone. But my dad was faithful. He was sharing the gospel to those CNNs that were cleaning him up and giving him a bath in the bed every day because he couldn't get out of the bed. And the Lord allowed him to lead three to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? Have you been fishing lately? Have you been fishing for men, women, boys and girls? So how are we going to live a gold medal, godly Christian life? Number one is salvation, the blood of Jesus. And then as we walk this walk out, we want to seek godly counsel. We want to build godly friendships. And we want to stand with those that stand for truth. Now, I can't tell you how to vote this morning from the pulpit, but I'm going to tell you I'm going to vote closest to the Word of God that I can find. And that's tough in this day and age. But the things I put my hat on is the Bible talks about abortion, and that's taking babies' lives. The Bible talks about a man is not supposed to marry a man. God made a man to marry a woman. So I've got to find that candidate that stands closest to the Word of God, and I'm not electing him to be a pastor. I wish I could. I'm not ex making excuses for his behavior, but I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for his salvation if he doesn't know the Lord, and I'm going to vote closest to the Word of God. I'm going to stand closest that I can to God's Word, and I believe that's what God would want us to do. You may have to write letters to your city councilman to your Buncombe County Commissioners. You may have to write letters to the school board. Hey, what are you teaching my children? Where is this coming from? You may have to stand and go to meetings and stand for the Word of God and the things of God. Because, friends, my generation and the generation before mine, I don't think we stood on the Word of God like we should have and we see what's going on today. Christians, we're fighting for our liberty. We're fighting for our freedom of speech. And it may get worse before it gets better. So stand on the things of God and the ways of God. You say, Brother Randy, you must be trying to get us to be martyrs. No, I'm not. But thank God that man named Stephen took the stones. Because there was a guy standing by that, by the name of Saul that was holding the clothes of those that were throwing the rocks. And you know that that had an impact on Saul. We know Saul later on had an experience with God on the road to Damascus when he was converted and he became the Apostle Paul and he ended up writing almost half of the New Testament. So thank God that Stephen took the stones. If we want to talk about the Bema judgment now, if we could pull the veil back and see the rewards that Stephen is getting because he took the stones. Wow. We might try to be martyrs. I'm not trying to die. 
But if the authorities walked in, our brothers and sisters that we hear about in Afghanistan right now that are getting searched down, some of them are being killed because they won't deny Christ. Oh, God, give us that kind of faith. Oh, God, give us that kind of courage. So we got to stand with those that stand for truth. Verse 2, the Bible says, but, de, but, delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I'll be honest with you all out there today. You pray for me. I'm sure Pastor would probably admit this. Pastors that are watching there might admit this. One of my greatest struggles at times is the enemy keeping me out of the word and keeping me out of prayer. Sometimes we get busy doing the spiritual gift that God has given us. Some people say, Randy, you probably have the gift of evangelism. Well, I may. But one of my mentors, Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's in heaven now, once said, you may not have the gift of evangelism as a Christian, but every Christian is called to be an evangelist. We're called to share the gospel, friends. Reach one or reach a thousand. Whatever God gives you through his power the capability. But we need to be in God's Word. We need to spend time daily in the Word of God and in prayer because just like eating, we love to eat. We love to get a meal. If we don't eat for a day or two, we start to get hungry, start to get famished. We need to spend time in God's Word and feed on the Word of God and the promises of God. So delight yourself in the law of the Lord and it will give you the desires of your heart. So number one, seek godly counsel. Number two, build godly friendships. Number three, stand for truth. Number four, spend time in God's word and in prayer. I know statistics have told on us, and it's, it's sad to give these statistics, but the average Christian might spend five minutes a week in prayer. The average Christian might spend five minutes a week in the word. If we were honest and we asked the congregation, how many of us spend time every day in God's word Many of us wouldn't be able to raise our hands. And I don't want to be legalistic that you check off a box. Yes, I read five scriptures a day. I did what I was supposed to do. And we don't get anything out of it. I like to listen to the word on my phone now. As I was riding here today from the hotel, I had the word playing on my telephone. We have to get God's word inside of us. That's where our strength, that's where our power comes from. Not legalistically, but ask God to give you a love for his word. To give you a love for prayer. So we need to make those priorities. The next verse, verse 3, it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now you may be sitting there thinking, Brother Randy, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. Brother Randy, I'm seeking godly wisdom. I'm trying to make godly friends. I have godly friends. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm spending time in God's word and prayer. But the storms of life are coming. The floods are coming, as you just had here. COVID has come. Around the world, famines, pestilence, floods, wars, rumors of wars. Brother Randy, I'm doing these things that God said to do. I'm seeking to live that gold medal godly Christian life. But why? Why are the storms coming? Why are the winds blowing? Why are these trials and tribulations coming? Why did I lose my son? Why did I lose my daughter? Why did I lose my parent? Why did I lose my, God, my, uh, my godly mom or dad? Well, friends, that's another whole sermon that I'm sure your pastor has preached. Why do bad things happen to God's people? Well, number one, we know ultimately because of sin. 
We're born into sin. And because of sin, sin is going to affect the world. Until Jesus Christ comes back or until we're in his presence, we're going to deal with trials and tribulations. There's going to be tough times. But he's given us a book full of promises. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We need to stand on the principles of God. And we do all we can do to stand. And the Lord said his grace is sufficient. So those of you that are sick today, maybe with COVID, or you're struggling financially, keep putting your eyes on Jesus. He said he would meet your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we could give you testimonies the rest of the day how we've seen God do that. And then the tragedies happen. 9-11, 20 years I'll be there Saturday and Sunday with some folks passing out tracks, this 9-11 track, witnessing to people. We can't explain why those things happen sometimes. God's ways are above our ways. God doesn't want those things to happen, but because of sin, they happen. And then all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus Christ is our hope of glory. So when the storms come, when the winds blow, when the flood waters come, if your roots are firmly planted in God's word, then the Bible tells us right here, it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You live a gold medal, godly, Christian life. You may not have a Mercedes. You may not have a Porsche, you may not have a mansion, but in the spiritual things, the things of God, the Bible clearly says that promised us shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow, that's the promises of God. The world doesn't see prospering in the spiritual things. We're not talking about name it, claim it theology. We're talking about prospering in the things of God, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So how are we going to live a godly, middle Christian life, friends, as we wrap this up? Well, I believe, number one, you've got to be born again. If you're watching today and you've never repented of your sin, You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you were watching earlier the silly toothbrush that cleaned my teeth, you've never let Jesus clean your heart up, I'm going to give you the opportunity in just a moment. Maybe you know the Lord, and you say, Brother Randy, I know the Lord, and I want to live that godly, gold medal Christian life. I'm competing for that incorruptible crown that's never going to perish. Number one, you give your life to Jesus. And then I believe the scripture has been clear to us today. I challenge you to memorize these three verses. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in a season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Those principles right there in those three verses, we can apply them to our life. Again, number one. Seek godly counsel. Number two, build godly friendships. Number three, take a stand for the things of God. Number four, share your faith. Bear fruit. Tell others about Jesus. And then when the storms do come, your roots are firmly planted in the Word of God. And whatsoever you doeth shall prosper 
in God's eyes. You will obtain that incorruptible crown. We know that salvation is a gift again. We're not striving for our salvation. We repent. We put our faith in Christ. And then our sanctification, we walk that out daily by doing what the Lord Jesus Christ would have us to do. You say, Randy, I can't do that. Guess what? I can't either. But the Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet Christ liveth in us. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith on the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Submit yourself daily, as Paul said, being filled with the Holy Spirit daily. Confess your sin as the Holy Spirit convicts us. Ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, and then we walk out this walk with the Lord. If you don't know the Lord today, I want to give you this opportunity. It's very simple. As we talked about Nicodemus earlier, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What Jesus said there in John 3, you can read it for yourself. Jesus said, you must be born again. Born of the water, you're a human. Born of the Spirit, you repent and put your faith in Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. If you know the Lord today, but you say, Brother Randy, the Lord has convicted me as he convicts me with some of the points in that message. And I don't need to be saved today, but I want to come back to the Lord today. I want to make a recommitment of my life today. I want to make a commitment to commit myself to those points out of these three verses. You can do that. And maybe you're watching and you say, Brother Randy, I'm a part of that group when you said, have you been fishing? I haven't been fishing. But I know God wants me to fish. And that scares me to death to share my faith. But I want to ask the Lord for holy boldness today. I want to ask the Lord for courage, for Him to do it through me, that I can be a fisher of men, women, Boys and girls, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this awesome church and with people today via Zoom in their homes around this nation and around the world. And Lord, we pray right now, if there's one person that's watching that has never repented of their sin, God, give them the courage right now. Give them the mercy and grace to say yes to you. And how do you do that? You pray something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner like Mr. Randy. But Lord, today I understand the gospel. And Lord, right now, I tell you that I'm sorry for my sins. Just tell him that. And just tell him, Lord, I repent. I turn from my sins. And Jesus, come into my life right now by your Holy Spirit. Just tell him, Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust in you to save me. Lord, I repent. And I'm believing on you and what you did on the cross by your blood for me. If that's your prayer, you just pray that in your heart. And if you prayed it and meant it, based on the word of God, repent and believe on Jesus and you will be saved. You thank him for coming into your life. Call the church here. Call a pastor. Call a Christian friend. Let them know what you did today. Maybe you know the Lord. But you say, Brother Randy, I need to come back to the Lord today. You pray this prayer in your heart. As I pray it out loud, dear Jesus, I know you live in my heart, but some things in the word today, Lord, you convicted me of. Whatever it may be, friend, just confess it to the Lord right now. First John 1, 9, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just confess it to the Lord now and accept his forgiveness. And just tell him, Lord, I want you to be number one. I want you to be the head coach of my life, athletically speaking. 
I come back to you today, Lord. If you made that decision just then, email, text, call the church, call another brother or sister, let them know you did that. Let a pastor know. He'll want to do that to help you grow. And lastly, you may be living a gold medal, godly Christian life, according to these verses. But you say, Brother Randy, I haven't been fishing. haven't been sharing my faith. And I need to make a commitment today that God would use my availability. You don't have to spend a ball on a toothbrush. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be handsome. You have to be a beauty queen. You use the talents and abilities. You use the voice, the hands, the feet that Jesus has given us. And just submit yourself to Him right now. Just say, Lord, I want to be fishing. And Lord, I'm just giving you my availability fresh and anew. Jesus, you do it through me. You chose the common man, the fisherman. You didn't go to Jerusalem. You didn't go to the White House right out of the gates. You went to the common man, the fisherman. You said, hey, come follow me. And I'll make you become fishers of men. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be fishing for you. And just ask him for holy boldness right now. Proverbs says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs also says he that wins souls is wise. And we want to be wise. So just give him your availability right now. And ask him for divine opportunities this week to plant seeds to share the gospel. That's your prayer. Just tell him that in your heart. It's been a blessing to be here with you via Zoom and a few of us that are in the building today. You made a decision for the Lord. Let this church know. Let a pastor know, a godly friend know. If you're a new believer, you want to be followed through in believer's baptism where you can signify what you did in your heart openly, publicly. Thank you for letting me and Crossfire come this way. We covet your prayers. We covet your support. Those of you in the Philippines, we look forward to coming back soon and uh, hopefully maybe get to see you other brothers and sisters in Christ here at Bergen next week, if the Lord wills. Thanks again. We'll turn it over to Pastor. Thank you for letting me come this way. I love you folks. God bless you. Pray for us this week as we share the gospel in New York City, the New Jersey area. Love you. God bless you. Thank you very much. Pastor.